We have a tool for you to use to be involved in missions and to be aware of missions. Joe and Christy, that was a that was a neat deal. Thanks for that was an artful way that you presented that. It was thrilling to hear it, and just thrilled to hear that report tonight. Thanks a lot. Good job. We got a tool that you can use to be aware of missions, and we're grateful for the uh, Women's Missionary Fellowship here at Evangel that put together this little booklet. Have you ever seen one of these? How many of you have one of these? Raise your hand up real high. Leave it up, leave it up, leave it up. Okay. Everybody ought to have their hand up next week when we ask that question, okay? It, this, this book, I tried to talk to ladies in a charge a dollar. They would not do it. Absolutely refused. It's a quarter to cover costs on this book. It's in our church's bookstore, uh, out that away. And it has our missionaries in it and contact information. And you know what would be kind of neat is if you, if you just prayed through this book until the Lord told you, what he'd like you to do. Wouldn't that be great? And uh, so that's something that you can, you can get a copy of, and I hope that you all do. As a young person in this church, you know, this, be, this is better than baseball cards, man. It's better than rooting for the Wolverines, I'm here to tell you. Or the Buckeyes. This is eternal. This is the big game right here. It's what Jesus is doing in the world. So that's something you want to be all about. So let's get, let's get aware of that. Let's make our hearts aware of that. Let's jump into that and pray about that and, and communicate. You've got a computer to communicate with missionaries. That'd be kind of neat. You know, um, one of the greatest missionaries ever, besides the Lord Jesus himself, quit when he didn't do very well. He wasn't well received, so he quit, went away. Did you know that? They kind of run him out of town, and he was an eager new convert, and uh, he got run out of town, and, and it took a guy named Barnabas Things kind of exploded in Antioch, and Barnabas kind of looked around and said, you know what, Paul would do a good job here. And he went and found him and brought him back. Can you imagine that? How would you like to be responsible for getting Paul back into the ministry? That's amazing, isn't it? I wonder how many times we give up on on people too soon. Aren't you glad that the, the Lord didn't give up on you too soon? Aren't you glad that he's forgiven you? Over and over and over and over again. I was in Grand Rapids making a hospital call one afternoon. And when I, when I finished, I forget where I was, but I noticed I was, I was thinking about uh, my boy Chuck, and I was thinking about um, uh, something I could do to demonstrate my love for him. And I saw this, this uh, little bag of juggling ball sack-like things, or like little squares, like beanbag squares. And there was a book on how to juggle. And I thought, you know what, Chuck would love that. And so I bought it, and I brought it home. And, and when I got home, I said, he's out in the street, and he's horsing around with all the neighbor kids. He's out there being Mr. Social. He's out there with all the neighbor kids. And I'm like, hey, Chuck, you know, take this, figure this out. And then I said, i got to go to study, check my email, tell the secretary a few things. I'll be back in a little while. And you know how that is. It takes longer than usual. I was gone for a couple of hours. When I come back, he's out there on the street just kind of juggling. I'm like, hey, did you ever done this before? He said, no, I'm learning, I'm learning. But I noticed that after a while, he could juggle. He could ride a unicycle and juggle. He taught his brothers to juggle. We went to Mexico. When they juggled, the, the, the Mexican people were really gracious. They could probably, some of them probably could juggle better, but they could tell we were trying to you know, attract attention on the plaza, so, so they'd come around and look at us. The same was true about they had a bull ride, and they had some kids there, and, um, when, when, and they were very gracious. When, when our guys rode the bull, they slowed it down so that we wouldn't get thrown off. And when their guys rode the bull, man, they all got thrown off. They're just very, very gracious. And, uh, but they, we'd juggle a little bit. Was it juggle? People would gather around. We had a watermelon. People would gather around. I noticed learning to juggle, though, you've got to drop the ball hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times until you learn not to drop the ball. 
Interesting. I should take a look at a story Jesus told in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 23. I'm jumping right into it here, so just scurry there. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. <laughs> it's an insurmountable debt. Did you get that? Kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, kingdom of heaven, it's like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That is an insurmountable debt. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children and all that he had sold and that payment be made. It's a horrific story. Servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. You find yourself anywhere in that story? Where are you in that story? Who are you? I'm the, I'm the guy in debt in that story. Jesus, I'm in big trouble. Jesus, the closer I get to you, the more I know, the more I realize I'm in, I'm in big trouble. I'm in over my head. God, I, I could never hope to get my way out of this. I, will you please have patience with me? He says, I forgive you. Jesus told the story to help his followers understand God's patience. He's forgiven us a great debt. He's forgiven us a great debt many, many, many times over. Romans 2, 8, 2, 4, you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Second Peter 3, 8, or 9, beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but He's long-suffering toward us. This is what God is like. He is patient, forgiving, and long-suffering. My Bible says He is patient, and He is forgiving, and He is long-suffering. He lets people start over again hundreds and hundreds of times i can prove this he says you want to know what the kingdom is like this is what the kingdom is like i'm sitting in the living room one spring evening and i'm i'm on the couch i'm looking out the bay window the the picture window into the street my neighbor dave is out there with his little girl Jim, Jarowski, Joe, you both would have cried like babies over this. What do you you teach a little girl how to ride a bike? (laughs) That's a fun thing to do. Find a grassy slope where she can fall over a bunch of times because she's going to. And then eventually you can take the training wheels off and just watch her hair blow in the wind. My neighbor was out there, knucklehead, trying to teach this little girl to ride the bike in the street. You knucklehead, she's going to fall over, over, just get her knee over and over again. That's not how you do that. I want to go out there and go, what, this must be the first time you've done this. Come here. Let me teach you a thing or two about teaching a little girl to ride a bike. You're going to fall down over and over again. 
before you ride away with your hair blowing in the wind. You look at Jesus like a father that says, it's okay, get back on the bike. We're going to be all right here. You look at him like a father that expects that you may fall over and over again before you figure it out. Because Jesus wanted you to look at him like that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have told this story. As a matter of fact, this story was couched in a teaching that he was giving to his disciples. Like, don't, don't misrepresent me, men, as the person who goes over there when the little girl falls off a bicycle and says, what do you think you're doing? What up, man, you think you could ride a bicycle? God has let you start over and over and over again. Am I right? Hundreds and hundreds of times. Am I right? How wonderful, how patient God is. Does anybody here disagree with what I've said? That's what the Bible teaches. But this story is with another story. The two of them together. This is one of the stories of Jesus that's is very powerful, very... We'll talk about this in detail toward the fall when we do the stories of Jesus on Sunday morning. But this is a powerful story because he's telling two stories together. And then he has a little commentary on the end. And it starts with a therefore. So he's responding to something. Would you keep in mind that Jesus told a story so that we would understand that it is his nature to let people start over and over and over and over and over and over again hundreds of times to fail and start over. Now, since God has allowed you to start over again hundreds and hundreds of times, well, look at verse 21. Peter came to him. He said, Lord, this is before the story I just told you. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And then he gets real magnanimous. Because he knows Jesus is nice and forgiving, so he says, you're probably going to say <laughs> seven times. Up to seven times? <laughs> Jesus must have blown him away when he said, I do not say to you up to seven times. I say 490 times. Hundreds. And hundreds of times. Does this encourage anybody else here tonight? I'm loving this story. Are you kidding? You mean I got hundreds and hundreds of chances, Jesus, to get this right? Yes. <laughs> You're kind of shy about this. You're sitting out there kind of like, I don't know. Hmm. I'll check the Greek on this. The Greek says I'm right. I asked him. <laughs> the first story, God let you start over hundreds and hundreds of times. The second story is going to say, so you should let other people start over hundreds and hundreds of times too. Want me to tell you a story? But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants. Verse 28. But that servant, the forgiven one, the forgiven one, that had been forgiven an insurmountable debt. But that servant, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
measly sum. He laid hands on him and he took him by the throat. He said, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down on his feet and he begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. And he went and threw him in prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what they had, what had been done, they were very grieved and they came and told the master all that had been done. And the master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he would pay all that was due to him. And so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. To Jesus, forgiving people was a really important thing. And he didn't want us to do it one time. He wanted us to be willing to do it hundreds and hundreds of times. Does anybody have a variant interpretation on this? You don't have a credible one. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, here's why we forgive people hundreds and hundreds of times. Because Jesus, he forgave us hundreds and hundreds of times. And we want to demonstrate our genuine Christianity. My little brother, he used to be the king of irritating noises. Oh my goodness, he was, oh, irritating. He he learned, he, he, I had the good sense. My mom made me take piano lessons and I gave her such trouble. That poor woman finally gave up on me. I wore her down. And it was like before the Suzuki method for guys like me. It was like old school, just sit in the chair, grind it out. I learned middle C. That's about it. She had this little egg timer that she would put on there, you know, and I just would kick, you know. And I thought I, might, I, thought I was going to blow up inside before that egg timer would ding. Finally, my poor mother gave up on me, and she tried on my siblings. Uh, with varying degrees of success, Kevin, he did, he bailed like I did. Melanie knows how to play the piano. Nathan, the baby of the family, Mr. Perfect, Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> he's going to listen to this. He's going to have, he's going to give me an email. So Nathan was the king of irritating noises. Oh my goodness, you know, he'd just be over there on the piano and he'd be doing his scales every night. He had his little cocksure thing about me over there. I'm just doing my scales, you know. And it was priority in our family. If he wanted to play, you couldn't watch television. You couldn't talk. Nathan is playing the piano. He just want to wring his scrawny little neck over there. <laughs> He'd play the piano and play the piano. You're all this. And he wasn't good at it. He just kept plinking away. After a while, he got better where he could actually play something. And he was big flourishes, you know, and pounding away over there. We have a little house, little, you know, house, big noise. And... Um, I got these big earphones. I put them on. I will listen to Andre Crouch and the Disciples. Hey, I'm wondering, Joe, was he for or against the drums in the message? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, I would put, the, <laughs> I would put these headphones on so that it would drown out my brother and listen to Andre Crouch and the Disciples, who pretty much were good at grinding out Nathan's irritating noises. After a while, he got so he would say, I will accompany you when you're playing. And he wasn't that skilled, so he would play while you're singing. And it was like he was doing his own thing over there. And you're like, Nathan, you're accompanying me. You're supposed to stay with me. This is how that works. I sing, you stay with me. He, you know, he just, I just, he spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and years and years learning that until one day, I don't know what happened, but one day, like he came home from college and I was going to sing. And he was over on the piano and he goes, what do you want to sing? And in what key do you want to sing it in? And I said, I don't know keys. I said, like this. It sounds like this. And he goes, we can do that. And man, he made me sound good. Like, wow. 
He was like, he and I would just think together. I would sing. He was just there. I'm like, wow, he's good. When did that happen? He had to, he had to irritate people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times for that to happen. Now they pay him lots of money for that. A reasonable amount of money. I always tell Pastor Pine, he's the second best music guy in the state of Michigan. Get it? Because my brother is in the state of Michigan. That, you know. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if we have more missionaries. I wonder if we have more pastors. I wonder if we have more music men. I wonder if we have more successful Christians if people were just a little bit more forgiving. I wonder. I know you have a heart for this. I understand. I'm not chastising you. I'm not scolding you. I'm encouraging you. I just wonder how many people would, would make it back up on their feet if there were a lot of people gathered around them just real eager to help them get back up on their feet. Does anybody have a credible alternative interpretation of these stories than that Jesus says he wants us to be willing, if we've been forgiven hundreds and hundreds of times, to be eager to forgive other people hundreds and hundreds of times, or else what does it mean he turns us over to the torturers? Second Timothy 2, 24, it says this, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach patience and humility, correcting those who are in opposition of God, perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, they may come to their senses, escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Do you realize here that the gentle the gentleness is before the gift of repentance in the verse. That's interesting to me. God, as a means of grace, uses gentle Christians that gently instruct in case God should grant the gift of repentance and they get out of the devil's trap. If you want to help somebody along in their fellowship with Jesus, in their love for God, you have to be patient with them. I could list the names of people who've been patient with me, who've forgiven me. I would not be your pastor. I would no way be your pastor tonight. No way. Not even in the ministry if a lot of people hadn't been very forgiving, very patient with me. Oh, I could list their names. Lois, you know I'm telling the truth. I could list their names. (laughs) I could list their names of good people. Who said, can I believe in you? You, you? Let's help you back up. Let's get going again. You know, there's a big list. This, are you any different? I'll be honest about that. Hey, I had a guy named Phil Theophilus. He uh, started hanging around the church. He had rough circumstances. He'd come, you know, hit and miss. I meet him in the morning, early morning, try to disciple Phil, spend a lot of time with him. He had a lot of potential. And he would, he would miss when he needed to be there. I'm like, come on, Phil, you know, show up. I'm busting myself to say stuff that's going to help you, and you're gone the week that I said the thing that you needed. And, you know, one time I just told him that. I said, Phil, you, you know, you're hit and miss in your attendance, and, you know, you, you know anything kind of sets you off. You're not faithful, and, that's, and you're, you're going to have to get on your feet, you know. I remember uh, working with Phil, and I remember sitting at my desk one day. I remember this so clearly. I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm thinking about Phil, and this is the thought that goes through my mind. 
here was a thought. It was almost like these words. I guess I'm just going to give up on him. You know, the Bible teaches that you should be discerning in your behavior toward outsiders, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Don't just burn your time on people that are unresponsive. And I was kind of thinking that, you know, Phil's just going to eat my lunch here and eat my time, and I'm just going to give up on him. Not kidding. The phone rings. I pick it up. Guess who's on the phone? Phil. And guess what he says to me? Pastor Pierpont, I just wanted to call you. I don't really have much to say. I know I kind of hit and miss, and I'm sure you're disappointed with me, but I want you to know I don't want you to give up on me. I'll never forget that. I want to tell you something. Most of the people that need you to be patient with them are not going to call you on the phone and say, please don't give up on me. That's going to have to be a grace in your heart. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Put on tender mercies. Put on tender mercies. The kindness, the humility, meekness, and patience, long-suffering. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you must do. Ephesians 4.32-5.1 Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you, therefore be imitators of God. Dear children, walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Be like Jesus. Uh, I played outfield some, or I played third base on a really, really bad team. I, I wasn't really good, but I loved to play. And I'm over there on third base, and I, I was bigger than the other kids, it's kind of like the kid in school that gets held back, you know. I was bigger than the other kids. I had a really strong arm. I could really throw the ball hard. <laughs> I never knew where it was going to go, but I could throw it really hard. Seriously, it was just like, and had no control. And so I would pitch, you know. Kids would you know, cower in fear when I pitched because they knew <laughs> I was going to throw the ball. Hit him in the back. I had a kid in the middle of the back one time. Just dropped him where he was standing. Just plunked down, you know. It's like, Wow. I walked, you know, like I said, I threw a no-hitter once, walked everybody. But I said, I, I, I one time, I was pitching, and I threw the ball over the backstop. I mean, you gotta, gotta be really bad to do that. <laughs> I, I, over third base, and I'd come up, sometimes I'd come up with a real hot grounder, and I'd be coming over there, and I'd just be so proud of myself. I'd be thinking about that. I'd say, I can't believe I got a glove on this one, you know. Can't come over there, it's like Brooks Robinson, man, if you're old, you know what I'm talking about. Stretch it out, get it up. Then I just go fire the ball over there. They're just like, shoo, just sail, man. Just way out in nowhere. Like, Kids in the dugout, they're just ducking, you know, because I'm throwing the ball over in the dugout. They're look out! The ball just rockets over the, <laughs> the dugout. So when my boys decide to play baseball, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm not going to let them embarrass the family. So we got out to the two oldest boys, and I would say April, I mean, late March, April, as soon as the, you know, the weather just thawed out a little bit, I'm like, okay, guys, you are going to learn to catch the baseball. i got a witness uh, tonight i'm like i'm gonna, so what i'm going to do is six days a week man i'm going to hit you 100 fly balls a day six days a week each guy 
two things happened. One, they learned how to catch a baseball. Anything got close to them, vacuum cleaner, man, they bring it in. And I, I learned to hit pretty good, too. Not as good as most of you guys. That's why I don't play softball on the team. But I got it so I can hit the ball pretty hard. 100 fly balls a day, six days a week, two boys. That's a lot of, that's a lot of baseballs. That's the way it works, isn't it? Simple matter of repetition. Before we get it down, guys, we're going to have to have hundreds and hundreds of chances. You getting this? And if you're in the... If you're in the group that says, well, I'm going to give you a few chances, man, but you disappoint me, and then I'm just, I'm just not going to, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm done with you. Well, you know, you want to be careful about that because Jesus has some pretty strong things to say to people like that. It's basically, I think Jesus is saying, if this is your attitude, you are not a Christian. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Short version. If this is you, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. That's what people on their way to hell act like. They're, that's demonic. Who is the accuser of the brethren? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And when you are eager to accuse other people, then you're doing demonic work. Remember in 2 Corinthians, a guy sinned grievously, he was put out of the church, and then by the grace of God, he was restored when he repented. Isn't that wonderful? He was restored when he repented. And some of the people were still like, eh, I don't want to forgive him. And he was saying, we, and Paul said, make sure you forgive him. That, that was the context in which he said, because we are not ignorant of his devices we know satan wants you not to forgive listen to me friends because i guarantee you a lot of christian people with your bible in your lap you're sitting here you love jesus i know it you sing the songs and everything but somebody has hurt you and they've hurt you bad and it and it cut deep and they might be sitting right next to you might be your wife bible says husbands don't be bitter against your wife that might be the easiest person in the world to say i have just had it with her mouth i've just had it with her sharp tongue and you just cut her off and you just move away. You might live in the same house, but your heart's a long way from where it ought to be. And Jesus says, I'm asking you to forgive her hundreds and hundreds of times. And sister, you might be there and say, Pastor, you don't know. This guy here, you know, the stuff he's done to me. And it's hurt me deep. And I just, you know, I, I'm not going to let him get to me like that. Some of you, like my husband, he doesn't even pretend to be a Christian. You don't know how bad I have it. I don't, but I will tell you that Jesus knows how bad you have it. Jesus, the one whose hands were nailed to Calvary, they spit in Jesus' face. They beat Jesus and killed him. Jesus knows. Oh, he's bearing about in our body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus would be manifested in our body. If Jesus has called you to die, if Jesus has called you to be crucified in that relationship, can you forgive? Only if you're a Christian, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. I, I, work, with a, I work with a pastor. He, he would be one of the men on the list of people I was talking about earlier who had to forgive me. Early in the ministry, first time I was a, anybody's associate pastor, was Larry Whiteford. And Larry Whiteford was so sweet to me. He was so kind to me. And Lois, we didn't know what we were doing. He had lots of reasons to fire me. I'm serious. He could have fired me. My habits, my work habits was so bad. <laughs> he, 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 could have, he could easily have said, what on earth? 
<laughs> I know I'm making you uncomfortable, but I just want to be honest about it. Here's this dear man who the years that I worked with him would get up and he would sit, he would sit there. Remember what he loves? This is the finest youth pastor in America right here, he would say. I was like, this is so embarrassing. Everybody knows that is true and close to true. I'm lucky to have a gig, you know? Well, on earth? It's like, lucky to have a job. But he was kind and forgiving to me. I was telling Chuck the other day, as we were kind of taking a drive, and I was talking to him about ministry, and I was saying to him, God put me under Pastor Whiteford. Other men would have fired me. Other men would have, they would have been patient with me. The next guy I work with would never have put up with that. And God wanted me to work under this one first so I could work under that one so I could, I could learn that. I could learn to show up on time with the second guy. I'm telling you, I'll learn to show up on time. It's like he wouldn't have put up with it. And God said, this is your first course. This dear, patient, forgiving man. <laughs> a little aside, I, I want to tell you. And it, Pastor, Pastor Whiteford loved me and loves me and he's kind to me. I could say a number of different things. One of the things I'll tell you, you, you know a pastor loves you if when he gets a smaller house, and he has to say goodbye to some of his books, including his mother's library. You're the guy he calls. One of the reasons I have so many books is because he called me one day and he said, You got a big truck, Ken? I want you to come and get my library. It's yours. He charged me anything for it. He just says, Take whatever you want. What a patient man. How would you like to be on somebody's list like that? Nobody else believed in me, but they believed in me. Everybody else had given up on me. But they didn't give up on me. Everybody thought I was kind of worthless. But they could see that I could be used of God. They would invest in me. They stayed with me. I believe we have a church full of people like that. And I want to encourage you to continue that the same spirit in these days. God's allowed you to start over hundreds and hundreds of times. You should let others start over hundreds and hundreds of times. But don't despise the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord leads you to repentance. And there will come a day when it is too late and the, and the door of the ark closes fast shut. Don't forget this. And if you're here tonight and you think you can just toy with Jesus, he's always going to be willing to forgive me, so I'll just wander in someday after I've done what I want to do, and then he's going to be there to forgive me. Do be careful. Do be careful. Here's what the Bible says. Peter, Second Peter Remember, he was the guy that asked the question that launched the two stories in Matthew that we just read, and he ended up writing Bible books, right? Second Peter 3.10, here's what he said. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of... What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hasting the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Don't mess with God's long-suffering. Don't take advantage of God's patience. Take advantage of God's patience. Flee to Christ. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, is written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them of these things which 
are some things hard to understand, which untaught, unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Talking to people here tonight who've been forgiven hundreds and hundreds of times. And so we should forgive other people hundreds and hundreds of times. Amen? Let's pray and we'll go home. Father in heaven, how thankful we are tonight for this wonderful Lord's Day. It's been good for our hearts and our souls to be here, to sing, and, and to be able to give, and to hear this wonderful report. Lord, to encourage one another uh, in the Lord, and, and, to, and to pause and over your word and and bow the knee, bend the knee to your word and say, Dear Lord, whatever your word says, this is binding on me, wonderfully binding. And Lord, this is true tonight. Give us, make us, I pray, a people who, since we have been to the cross and we have unloaded our foul guilt and our filthiness there and you have taken that up and wash us in the blood of jesus christ don't let us be the kind of people that stand there and don't let other people kneel at the cross and god please send others to kneel at the cross there are people that we know and that we love and oh god before it's too late i pray god stir their hearts give them the gift of repentance as we gently and patiently and lovingly and winsomely minister to them i pray that you would grant to them the gift of repentance that they would recover themselves from the snare of the devil where they've been taken captive by him to do his will, oh God, and that you would be honored and glorified even in this place as people are restored to you and sinners are converted to you. And Lord, they find great help and grace because we're a community of forgiven sinners here. We ask this in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.